Ladies and gentlemen, to honor America with the singing of our national anthem, the Diamondbacks are very pleased to welcome multi-platinum Atlantic recording artist, Jewel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Forgotten Conservative. Uh, that was Jewel, the 2001 World Series, Game 1 uh, between Arizona and the Yankees uh, out in Arizona. Not really a overwhelming performance, per se, but the optics were... Very fitting, uh, nice little tribute. Uh, during the song, they had a, a number of Marines recreate the uh, raising of the American flag after Iwo Jima. And then right there towards the end of the song, they had three members of the Phoenix uh, Fire Department recreate the scene from the 9-11 flagpole. So it was very fitting and very touching, moving moment. So, anyway, um, came to you last night and uh, talked about the Bush, Biden, and Harris 9-11 speeches, how the similarities between them and so forth. And another piece I put off getting to, I wanted to cover those speeches first, but uh, 
kind of goes in in line with the theme of, of yesterday's podcast. And it was a day or two before that, um, that fat-ass Krispy Kreme Christie was at the Reagan Library. Now, I'm sure the Reagan Library holds events there all the time. And this was part of a series that Director Highbush is putting on. And for those of you that just that, that don't know it, uh, Director John Highbush is retiring. And he's been with the library for as long as I can remember. Uh, I would say probably at least 20 years. Good man. Uh, takes care of it. New uh, the Reagans. Uh, I, I believe he actually knew Mrs. Reagan better than the former President Reagan. But he has done an outstanding job of uh, curating the library, uh, trying to hold true to Reagan's principles and so forth. And uh, he's He's done an outstanding job. He's retiring soon. I hate to hear that. But in all honesty, I'm not sure what the hell Chris Christie is doing. Especially as a featured speaker. Okay. Maybe as a guest, a paid admission, you know, if he buys his own friggin' ticket, he can co go to the Reagan Library. But that man has no business speaking uh, not only at the Reagan Library, but in essence, he's trying to reinvent himself. Now, for those of you who may or may not know Krispy Kreme Christie, he is a former governor of New Jersey. He was and is a rhino. He was and is an uh, establishment Republican. He is the quintessential establishment Republican that has driven Republicans and conservatives right into the open arms of Donald Trump. Whether that's good or bad, I'm, I'm not making a judgment of that. But it is people like Chris Christie and G.W. Bush, Mitt Romney, John McCain, all the ones I mentioned last night. It is that specific type of wishy-washy, mealy-mouth, you know, go-along-to-get-along, bipartisan Republican that has literally brought this country to the verge of the precipice. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I have to sit there through 51 minutes of dribble from a man who in the final days of the 2012 campaign, if, if you could make an argument that that man put Obama over the top. Romney was a horrible candidate. 
horrible uh, principled candidate, strategist, lack of conviction. But when Hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey, and of course, Obama uses this as uh, a photo op, you know, never allow a crisis to go without exploiting it. And Chris Christie and his bullcrap ego, political aspirations, welcomes Obama, hugs the man on camera, photo op, because in Christie's mind, hey, let's go ahead and give Barry uh, four more years, Romney will lose, and he's out of the picture. And I'll swoop in in 2016 and be the savior. Chris Crispy is the type of politician that does not do anything without considerable calculation. And, and we've seen that over, we've seen that since I guess early 2016, whenever he dropped out of the race, he was the first big-time Republican. Uh, I say it <laughs> literally big-time. Because you would think in four years, you would do what old Jerry Nadler did, get some lap band surgery, or do something to make yourself at least look a little bit more pleasing to the eye. But I guess he figures if he lost a bunch of weight, he'd end up looking like Al Sharpton, which is, in essence, a bobblehead doll. Because that's what Al Sharpton, you know, he looks like his his, his neck can't support his big head. Um, but since he dropped out <laughs> through his weight, behind Donald Trump because again at least Christie and you know what I, don't, I can't give him praise for, for selecting Trump because I think part of Chris, uh, Christie's calculation was you had guys like Ted Cruz who was the principled conservative. You had John Kasich, who I think his father may or may not have been a mailman. I'm not sure. I'll have to research that after the program. And Donald Trump. Those were your three leading contenders early on. Rubio was up there. Uh, Rubio was sacked by his participation in the Gang of Eight. Uh, for those who, who probably don't remember that, that was a gang of eight bipartisan senators uh, trying to uh, come up with quote-unquote comprehensive immigration reform. John McCain was on that committee, Marco Rubio, some prominent Democrats, and they concocted a... Uh, Adam Schiff sandwich. 
is the best way I can put it, a shift sandwich. So uh, Rubio took a lot of uh, flack for that. But again, these politicians, they, they make these moves to, to be the first on the bandwagon. So he, and, and you know, Rubio's of Cuban descent. So he's triangulating if, even if it, it's a, a moderate immigration reform package, he was on the leading edge of it. He's Hispanic. And yes, you don't get everything you want, but you showed the willingness to reach across the aisle and be bipartisan, which in Washington, D.C. circles, okay, it, by, this is the definition of bipartisanship. If you're a Republican, check your friggin' principles at the door, come on in, sit down, and just agree with us. If you're a Democrat, bipartisan means sit down, shut up, and I'm going to beat you into submission to vote for my plan. And I'm going to shut down the government. I'm going to do whatever it takes within my power to, to prevent you from getting one piece of your agenda through the process when I get 75% of my agenda, and the other 25%, I'll table to the next battle. And, and guess what? If we don't come up with a, a solution, a bipartisan solution, well, that's okay. Because we're just going to grow government, we're going to grow the swamp, and, and we'll just hand off that power to the bureaucracy. So we don't need your stinking bipartisanship. That's how bipartisanship should be defined in Washington, D.C. And so here's Rubio, junior senator from Florida, had just been elected in 2010, been there a couple of years, making a name for himself, political aspirations, runs in 2016, and it bites him in the ass. Which, ironically, Krispy Kreme Christie pretty much put the nail in, in Rubio's coffin. Trump had beat him up pretty, pretty bad. But I think there was already, if not direct contact, I think Fat Ass had put some feelers, had some staffers, get with some Trump people, Maybe Kellyanne Conway, who, no, actually Conway was with Ted Cruz in. Um, but members of the two staffs had gotten together and come up with an agreement for Christie to go after Rubio. Because in that debate, Christie had no other target but Rubio. Nevertheless, Christie's at the Reagan Library. And he takes a couple of different shots at Trump. And as I said last night, 
these people in Washington, a lot of them don't get it. A lot of them do get it and have, you know, there's an old tape uh, saying, show a little ankle. Okay. They've hiked the skirt all the way up. They've done the full-blown Marilyn Monroe. There ain't no ankle showing. She's standing over the sewer grate in New York City. Because it's, yes, they hate the bad orange evil man. They despise him and his effectiveness to govern, to garner support, to continue to have huge rallies and support nationwide. But again, he's the vessel. It is us they despise. We are the ones that the establishment hates. Because quite simply, when we have the Reagan Revolution, the Tea Party, uh, Trump 2016 and beyond, they know that when Americans come together, when the, the silent majority, the great unwashed, when we come together, we are unstoppable. The Democrats don't, you, you cannot look at elections. And, you know, when you say elections are always right at 50-50, okay, that's elections. Assuming they're legitimate, which Christie took, you know, dead aim at. But there's, I don't care, you can sit here and take shots at Trump, speaking of the 2020 election, but there was widespread voter fraud. Now, can I prove that this state and that state and that state colluded or, you know, these large urban areas, Philly, Pittsburgh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, uh, Phoenix, Atlanta. Can I prove that those areas somehow colluded amongst each other? No. But what I can tell you is that in states all across this nation, and it only took a handful, Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled against the state constitution. You had, I believe, the AG up there who was corrupt and the governor rewrite the election laws, which were in direct conflict of the state's election laws in the Constitution. The Supreme Court upheld it. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a wussy fashion, punted the case. They had, at least in the case of Philadelphia, it was in the hands of the Supreme Court to say, hey, 
you have vi violated Article 2 of the Con Section 2 of the Constitution, of the U.S. Constitution, because the state legislature sets the election laws, not the state governor, not the state AG, not the, the you know, nobody else, but the legislature of the state. Georgia, same thing. A Secretary of State, I believe, in Georgia, and it may be the Secretary of State in, in PA. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, enter into a decree, I guess it was, which was basically a compromise. It wasn't a compromise. It was given Stacey Abrams and her radical bunch what they wanted for the 2020 election in hopes of shutting Stacey Abrams up, who, by the way, still has not conceded her election. Still, to this day, has not conceded. They want to talk about Trump not conceding, but nobody mentioned Stacey Abrams, who is a, a wacko kook, Christie took aim at Trump and Trump supporters over the election. These states, whether it be attorneys general, secretaries of state, uh, governors, that rewrote the election laws in 2020, handed the Democrats everything they needed to commit widespread voter fraud. I think where people get caught up is the language and semantics. But when you have elected politicians in, in the highest levels of a state, unelected judges determining voting laws which defies the Constitution. I consider that election fraud. That doesn't mean that somebody, some, you know, Mickey Mouse character is running around voting 25 times in each county in the state of Florida. You could be a burglar and never break into a dwelling. You could be a thief and never physically breach a house. Okay, so widespread voter fraud does not necessarily mean a group of large cities or and or states sitting in a dark smoke-filled room somewhere coming up with conspiracies to rig the election. So let's get that straight. Krispy Kreme. But regardless of how you feel, 
and I know that there's, uh, you know, these conspiracy theorists out there. Uh, you had Lynn Wood, uh, Sidney Powell, <clears throat> these guys like that, even Giuliani, touting evidence, evidence, evidence. And honestly, I don't know if they've been giving, given the platform to show the evidence. I don't know that. I'm, I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole because the results are the results at this point. Now, they've got that recount in Arizona. I have no idea what's going on with that. And really and, and truly... Um, other than Fox News calling the state so early in the, the night, it's not going to surprise me either way. It's not going to surprise me if Biden wins it, you know, fairly close to the numbers reported originally. It's not going to surprise me if Trump ekes out the most votes. I don't know what the solution would be if, if somehow the latter were the case. And best case scenario, they recall their electors, swing them towards Trump. At the end of the day, I, it doesn't matter. It's not enough. Could that start the ball rolling to, for these other states? If they haven't already audited, I don't know. But assuming best case scenario, you get enough to, to swing the, the votes, the electors. It's already been certified. We, the process has unfolded. Rather than focusing, this is just my opinion, rather than focusing on the past as a potential 2016 leader, or I'm sorry, 2024 leader, presidential candidate, rather than beating up on your potential constituency, why wouldn't you attack the root of the problems? Why would you not go after these states who may not yet have passed voter reform, election reform. Georgia's done it. Texas just did it. I don't know where in the process Pennsylvania's at, if they're in the process. Because people like Chris Christie in the grand scheme of things, Christie would be happy and content to win the presidency and could care less really whether or not he owns either House of Congress. Maybe he would like one of them, but he doesn't care if he has a majority. Because guys like that are afraid to lead. 
they're truly afraid to stand up. Well, first of all, I can't even say if if you make the comment stand up for what you believe in, you have to use the premise that the guy has some friggin' principles in the first place. And we know he doesn't. Guys like him hang around Washington, D.C. You fast forward 40 or 50 years, you've got Mitch McConnell, Chucky Schumer, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Leaky Leahy, Ted Kennedy, and at the end of the day, you don't know whose side, which, which team are you on. Mitt Romney has reinvented, attempted to reinvent himself and of all people, just like uh, G.W. Bush, you go to a campaign and you are the single worst white American male born ever. You're worse than General Lee. You're worse than John Calhoun, John Dewey. Woodrow Wilson, Mitt Romney is the worst human being of all time. Attila the Hun, Alexander the Great, Mitt Romney in 2012 was the devil incarnate. Gets his ass kicked by Hussein Obama. And then runs for the Senate in Utah. And easy, he's a Mormon. You want to be somebody, Mitt Romney? Go run in Utah. Run in Pennsylvania. Run in California. Show us what you really got. But no, you're going to run to Utah, govern in Massachusetts, and then run back to Utah to be a United States Senator so you can kowtow to the media, so you can kiss their ass for kicking your ass in 2012. And they, I, they think that we forget. They, they suckle and nurse from the media. And it's sickening. In hopes that when they decide to run, they're going to be in, endeared for, by the media because they know that probably since Bush, 41 HW, 
the media has picked every Republican nominee since then. Outside of GW running for re-election, the media, they, you know, Bob Dole, it was his time in 96, not the best candidate in the world. You're a Republican, you vote for him. 2008, John McCain finally gets his shot. He's paid his dues, just like 12 years earlier with Dole in 96. He's paid his dues. You don't think that somewhere in that fabled smoke-filled room where maybe George Soros and Tom Steyer and, and whomever else are sitting or thinking these think tanks that there's not some system of communicating with the, the growing conglomerate media can you do, do you really not have, maybe you've never put any thought to it but if you've listened to pretty much any talk radio nowadays but it Rush coined it and, and made it famous and would play the montages of ABC, CBS, NBC, uh, NPR, MSNBC, CNN, MSNBC, all of these groups with some reporter commentator throughout the day or evening and sometimes multiple contributors on one channel throughout the day repeating the same phrases literally saying the identical words over and over you don't have every news person in America on major broadcast and cable television watching one person at you know 5.30 or 6 a.m. and then they all just to themselves think oh wow man that was a great line I'm going to use this on my 8 o'clock primetime cable show and the CBS Evening News anchor see it and, and have the same light bulb moment. It doesn't happen that way. It's not natural for 10, 15, 25 people in a single day at varying times to all use the exact same phraseology. And guys like Krispy Kreme, Mitt Romney, there's 
I think the guy's name, I think he's from Ohio, Adam Kinzinger. He's one of them. Going to play favor with the media. Try to get in their good graces. And right now, the easiest way to do that is get on the trash truck train. If you can somehow distance yourself from Trump, okay, they may be willing to forgive. Not forget, but they might pat you on the head and say, good boy. Well, let's keep it up. Stay in line. Let's keep it up. And God help you. If you trash Trump or you trash his basket of deplorables, oh, he's such a good boy. Come here, fat ass. Come here. Good boy. Sit. Here's a jelly donut. I, I, sit. Good boy. Go eat your jelly donut. Come back in two years. Because we're going to rake you, rake you over the coals. But run along for right now, little boy. Good boy. That's what the media does. That's, that's how stupid these milk-toast, rhino-Republican, establishment-Republican politicians are. And they get suckered in. And of course, there's some political calculation. Because I can tell you for a, a large number of Republican lawmakers, they don't want to be in the majority. Rush used to say it all the time. They want to be the, the Washington generals. They want to be the team that the Harlem Globetrotters whips their ass up and down the court. That's, that's who the establishment Republicans are in Washington, D.C. Christie has a speech. I want to read to you a little bit from it. Oh, not only that, but he's going to have the balls to inject in, or invoke John Adams at the end of it? Huh? John Adams? You can't carry John Adams' wig! This is some of what he said. We need to renounce the conspiracy theorists and truth deniers, the ones who know better, and the ones who are just plain nuts, said Christie, speaking to an in-person audience at the Ronald Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California. We need to give our supporters facts that will help them put all those fantasies to rest. He continued, we need to quit wasting our time, our energy, our credibility, on claims that won't ever convince anyone of anything. Pretending we won 
when we lost is a waste of time and energy and credibility as if that fat ass has any credibility. No man, no woman, no matter what office they've held or wealth they've acquired. Hmm, let's see. Who could he be referring to there? Are worthy of blind faith or obedience. We deserve much better than to be misled, a.k.a. lied to, by those trying to acquire or hold on to power. Here, in this last line, it's almost as if he's trying to conjure up somebody from the past. If timid acceptance is the price of a mission, we're not the party we've always been. Yada, yada, yada. Because you are exactly the type this party has been for far too long. And to show you, there's this opinion piece by Matt Bay. I don't know. B-A-I. Matt Bay from the Washington Post. Which is uh, the one Jeff Bezos, Amazon owns. This is what these guys are looking for. If you have any doubt whatsoever, this is why the, the Christie's the Romneys, the McCains, the Kinzingers. This is why they do what they do. He says, so what do we do with this? Should we mockingly remind Christie that he failed to speak out during his years of cringy servitude to Trump when taking a stand might actually have done some good? Or should we welcome him back to the, to the rational universe? I'd suggest the answer is both. Christie can never be fully exonerated for his role in bringing the hateful margin of our politics into the mainstream. But if all those never-Trumpers can't do a thing to loosen Trump's hold on the party, then maybe only a pro-Trumper can. See? That's what, what they're looking for. So they're, they're saying like these guys like uh, Billy Crystal and those never Trumpers that talked about conservative values and principles for 20 or 30 years and, or, or spoke or writ, wrote about it. And you get somebody like Trump who comes in unorthodox, who's not an ideologue. And that's something I don't think I've mentioned. Trump's not an ideologue. He's not going to govern strictly along Republican Party lines or along Democrat Party lines. He's going to attempt to use common sense and use his gut in what he thinks is right. But these guys, they don't like the big bad orange man. So they'll completely reverse. They'll vote for Joe Biden. They'll vote for Hillary Clinton because they're so anti-Trump and throw 30 years of 
quasi-conservative work and their reputations down the drain to be an, uh, a never-trumper. So, if Billy Crystal can't convince them, or George will, then maybe Chris Christie can. Now that he's been reborn, now that he has stepped into the line with Carol Ann, step into the line. I've got donuts. I've got bacon. Step into the line. The reporter goes on. I'd like to hear him reckon with that question publicly. But there are two things we do know. We do know. One is that there that there's basically no one at the highest echelon of Republican politics who seems willing to take a stand against Trump or his minions. We're minions now. We were deplorables. Now we're minions. In 2024, the conventional wisdom is that if Trump runs again, he wins without a fight. There are plenty of powerful conservatives who mourn the loss of rational republicanism. Big R. But I can't point to a single one who seems inclined to tear the party apart in order to save it, to sacrifice himself in order to save the party. Repent and ye shall be saved, Chris Christie. The other thing we know is that if someone is going to finally shake Republicans from this Trumpian nightmare, it's probably not going to be anyone who stood on principle from the start and is mostly popular with Democrats. Yummy! Do you have some suggestions, Matt Bay? Bye. Yes, you do. Mitt Romney, John Kasich, who I think his daddy was a mailman, or Liz Cheney. <coughs> Liz Cheney. Oh, yummy. We hated her daddy. We made fun of him. Called him all sorts of vile names. But no, what's his little girl do? She runs in a state where there's only one U.S. representative and runs on her father's name, gets elected, moves to Washington, and does the same shit stuff that the likes of Romney and Christie and McConnell have done for 30 years. That's why these milk toast Republicans bend over and bow down to the Washington elite and the establishment. For press just like this. You supported, supported the big bad orange man. The evil Hitlerite. 
You helped him with the bait prep. You helped him with strategy. You supported him. You rallied. But you have been born again. And now you want to come into the good graces. Kneel, my son. Kneel. Take your penance. You will quickly escalate Purgatorio. The mountain. And rise to Paradiso. Among the Republican establishment. But you must renounce Satan. Renounce him. Do you renounce Trump Christie? Yes, I so renounce him. You are saved. You are now welcome back into the good graces of the Republican establishment and the mainstream media. And we will coddle you and hold you and bathe you and swat you. And when you are out of line, we will smack you down. And if you get the nomination, if you are so lucky for us to choose you to represent your fair party, you will be a white slave master. We will invent stories, create stories. And we will tear you down. But don't worry, Krispy Kreme, because the media loves a loser. They love Republican losers as much as a like Democrat losers, more so. So don't fret, Krispy Kreme. You can go through 18 months of being built up and elevated by the mainstream media and if by some miracle, you get the nomination. The 18 months that they kissed your ass, it will take them 60 days to kick you from one end of this country to the other and back again. Trust me. They've done it to every major party Republican candidate at least in my lifetime and before. And that's a, that's a, a well, I've got a little time. Who is, who, which presidential candidate, Republican candidate, running for the presidency had over maybe 1,100 
psychologists, psychiatrists submit a survey to a national publication prior to an election and the overall consensus, quote unquote, was that this man was unfit to be president of the United States. Which candidate do you think that may have been? Oh, the easy answer, Donald Trump. Because we physically, literally remember something very similar happened. But that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Barry Goldwater, the Arizona senator in 1964, prior to the election. Goldwater sued the publication. I think he, he won a, a reward for a million dollars at the time. Put the publication out of business. They, they had an internal uh, inquiry, I guess. Called it the Goldwater Rule. That covered not only, basically covered... You can't give a diagnosis of somebody that you've not physically met with and, and went through the proper procedures. You can't watch a news show and, and try to uh, medically, psychologically diagnose somebody without meeting, asking questions, having an interaction with them. It's called the Goldwater Rule. So they've at least been doing it since... 64 and we'll do it to this to this next nominee doesn't matter if it's Trump it didn't start and it's not going to end with Trump every Republican candidate is the biggest jackass idiot since Gomer Pyle and every Democrat candidate is the smartest, most noblest, prudential candidate we've ever seen. He's uh, rem reminiscent of Camelot, reminiscent of Kennedy, with these ridiculous platitudes. Knowing full well that John F. Kennedy would be kicked out of the Democrat Party today. He would. He could not win dog catcher as a Democrat today. Anyway, thanks for playing along. Uh, sorry, I had a little slip up there. Try to do better in the future. Um, I, I do sincerely apologize. I'll try to keep it PG thirteen. But um, obviously, I got a little. <laughs> I got a little wound up. Alrighty, folks. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, and thank you for playing along and listening to the Forgotten Conservative. And spread the word, brothers and sisters. Spread the word. Till next time. Have a good day. <laughs>